Wealth Tactic Rebels, ingenious tactics to accumulate wealth for people who see things differently. Welcome to another discussion with Wealth Tactic Rebels, the podcast for people who think differently. I'm your host, Kevin Dumont. I've been thinking differently in the wealth field for going on nearly 15 years. Today, we're joined by a guest, John Sephoric. John, how are you today? Evan Dumont, I'm fine, thank you. And uh, thank you for having me on Wealth Tactic Rebels. It's nice to be here. Absolutely. It's great to have you here. And thank you for joining us, taking your time and sharing your knowledge with our listeners today. Before we continue, with Wealth Tactic Rebels, we try to bring you content that provides both noteworthy and uncommon tactics, as well as content that you can start applying to your life to help bring you prosperity. But Rebels, we need your help to continue to improve. Help us by going to your preferred listening medium, whatever that is you're listening on right now, and rate and review our show. Let us know what you like, what you'd like to hear more of. And also, if there's anything you found resonating with you about this particular episode, let us know that as well. So, John, we are going to be discussing today the wealthy gardener. And, well, that is basically John's philosophy and way of living for prosperity. And John is... He considers himself kind of an everyday person, a self-made millionaire, and he wrote the book that's titled The Wealthy Gardener, and it's about prosperity for his son. It's an Amazon bestseller, been written in three different languages, it's been acquired by Penguin, and it's currently, right, I think the number one release on Audible? It is currently, yes. Yeah. Yep, it's got that little tag on it. So it's a great book with a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience in there. So, John... That kind of gives a little bit of background about you, but why don't you share a little bit more deep with our listeners today about kind of where you came from, what inspired you to do this? Sure. I really am the everyday millionaire, self-made millionaire, Kevin. It's not a lot of things that you're going to see about my story that's going to stand out like people who found Tesla, things like that. But there's a lot of us out there that just lived an honorable life and they won the game of finances. And that was my story. Right, right. I... Grew up in the middle class. I, I was born and raised on, in a small town outside of Pittsburgh. Mm. Went to a small Catholic high school. Graduated just like every other blue collar kid in the middle class, really. And then yeah. there were just several transitions of life that put me to where I am today. Mm-hmm. Say the very first transition for me was an education. And it was an education in the form of a book, uh, Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich. Mm-hmm. A lot of us have a story where we start that book and we end that book at a whole different framework of thought. Mm-hmm. I was certainly that person at the age of 20. It exposed this blue-collar kid to a bigger way of thinking. And you see the world. You see a philosophy of his own. I really consider that book a philosophy of financial achievement. Right. Philosophy means our way of looking at the universe, the world, and humanity and our place in it. It's a sure. big word. But that book was big for me. So it, it taught me. After that Kevin, I went through the 20s and that was a painful decade for me, a lot of pain and struggle. To be honest with you, I graduated from a chiropractic college at the mm. age of 24. Nice. I had $200,000 worth of debt on day one. I went into my own practice. I struggled there for four years. Mm-hmm. I sold that practice, moved across the country to be near family, mm. did another practice, set it all up again. So we're doing the roller coaster ride of moving across the country, starting and closing businesses. We're still young kids, keep in mind, we're just coming right out of college. Right. Right. Trying to keep our heads low. I get married. We have two small kids. Our kids have colic. Mm-hmm. 
the twenties were a good decade for us to get away from and just get over with. You know, yeah. there were times there where my family slept all night, and I remember staying up, not sure how I was going to buy groceries. You know, yeah. and when you go through those times, it changes you, no doubt it about does. it. Yeah, you stop asking yourself, "Does money make you happy?" and you start thinking, "Boy, if I had money, I could do a lot of things with my time that maybe are more important than chasing a dollar." And that was mm. my story. It was a lot of pain. Mm. But that brought me to my second transition. And I clearly remember this day at my at 30 years old. It stands out to me because I went for a walk in a summer day and I went to a cemetery and I just spent that day alone thinking. It was a contemplative day. And I was sitting beside a tombstone for most of it. And I was thinking about the past 10 years of my life, how I'd given these 50 hours a week, every week for 10 years. And what did I have to show for it? You know, I realized I was providing for my family. I realized I was doing the right things. You know, I had gone to school. I'd gone to college. I, I didn't do things wrong. Right. But man, I'll tell you what, I, was, I traded a lot of hours for dollars, and I didn't have a whole lot to show for it. Yeah. Yeah. What was meaningful in that part of the story for me was that I was sitting beside a tombstone, and that tombstone was my grandfather. Mm. Now, my grandfather, wow. he had worked in a similar fashion for all of his life, only way worse. He was a coal miner. He went down into the ground every day of his life, and he came out 10 hours later, 50 hours a week, 40 years of his life, and he died of black lung disease, just like they all did. Left his family in destitution. My dad was one of the poorest people coming out of our small rural town because of his impact financially there. And so I'm sitting there thinking about myself, wallowing in my own life, contemplating my own future and my own past, and I'm sitting beside a person who had it far worse than me. And, you know, he did that because being responsible for his own family. It sounds pretty bad, but it was an honorable life, you know, sacrifice. Of course, right. It sounds like my grandfather a little bit. I mean, he wasn't a coal miner, but he did do a lot of things like that. He took care of the boilers at a Navy shipyard. He did lumberjacking. He did a lot of those different kinds of things, just providing an honorable living for his food, whatnot, for the family. Absolutely, Kevin. And, you know, sometimes I think we're judgmental looking backwards saying, well, that's a pretty low position in life. And before we get too critical, we might want to remember that these people are doing that for us. Yeah. You know, that's a sacrifice for them too, the ultimate sacrifice. Right. And I said at that time though, that day, I was going to make my own life going forward. I was going to be responsible for my own family, right. but I wasn't going to lose like that. And if, if I was going to lose like that, a part of me would die. And, and maybe it died along the way for him too, but I vowed no way. And so I set a really large goal that day. I said, there's no way I'm not going to have financial freedom. To me, that's the amount of money you'll have coming in that you don't have to think about money, don't have to worry about money. Mm. You can give your thoughts the more important things than money. And I made a vow. To me, that was $20,000 a month for passive income. Right. So if I fast forward to two more decades, I achieved that goal. Excellent. Retired at the age of 50. I went into the basement. My son was coming out of college. It was really important for me to instruct him on how to be free in life as well, how to win this game. We all had this financial condition of life and life is so much better if we win that. It was just vital for me as a father. So they pass along my lessons to my son. And I did so by writing a book over three long years and he helped me write it. Mm. So that was a great next transition, which brings us to where we are today. That's why we're talking on this leg of the journey now. That's excellent. And you know, I like that you have that legacy that now can be passed down the family from one son to the next. It is a legacy, Kevin. And I sometimes wonder, maybe I'm thinking too grandiose at the time, right? Like who am I to write a book? And then I say, no, 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 wait a minute. I did achieve something here. We did break the family yes. line. And yeah. Yeah. 
there's quite a bit I learned along the way. You know, I really believe you learn your way up in life. You learn your way through things, learning curves. And right. yeah, do I, did I write it for my son? Sure. But did I write it for my, you know, his children and his children's children? I think I'd be doing everybody a service if I didn't try, try to compete with Napoleon Hill of the very seminal book that helped me so much. Right. It was just so fundamental. Sure. I, sure. I wanted that. Well, that's good because you just said, who am I? And I think sometimes that thought is a limiting thought for people. Who am I too? And mm. then, you know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Who am I yeah. to do this? This other person is so much better of a person. So it's more of a person, whatever it is. That's Amen. a limiting thought. And that can hold you back from going and seeking and achieving. Kevin, I hate that. I hate the time when I'm in the, who am I thinking? I've been there. Mm-hmm a good dozen times of my life where, yeah. who do you think you are? And every time you're in that, who do you think you are question? Man, I'll tell you what, that's when you're living on the edge of your capacity. Mm-hmm. You're trying to strive for your full, your fullest potential. You're really embracing life. You're doing mm-hmm. things that you don't quite know if you can do. You're in the arena. Right. When you're asking that question, who do you think you are? Oh, you're in a good place at that point. That's a position where you can take that and turn that around. Well, I am. Right? Well, you have to. Right. You have to turn that around. Yeah. Because those are the invisible things that hold you back. You know, we're talking about timeless principles of hitting that wall that you can't see. What if you're stuck at a you know fifty thousand income or seventy five? You're stuck, stuck, stuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who do you think you are? Yeah. If you expand that idea, man, I'll tell you what, it just opens up possibilities mm-hmm. in many ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It can be a real limiting factor. It can be. It's open mind, open mindset. When you talk about thinking differently too, listening to your story about what happened there is you were talking about the point where, you know, I want to not have to worry about money and such. To me, that brings back the idea of so many times people hear, oh, the money's the root of all evil, wealthy people, those jerks or whatever. And that's a particular mindset about money that may or may not be true because money is what? It's a thing. And- I have found that through searching in my life, through, like you say, growing and everything, that money is not evil. It just kind of is. It's what people do with it, like so many other things. And that really the problem that people have when they do bad things for money is not to get money. It's because they don't have it. It's the lack of money. It's, the, it's not uh, there, right? <laughs> so, yeah, the joke of that always is, and I'll get back to the seriousness of it, because, man, you're speaking my language now, of course, because... I felt like a wage slave and so did my grandfather. He lived his whole life as a wage slave. Right. But yeah, there's, there's a funny quote there that money's not the root of all evil. The lack of money is the root of all evil. You never see somebody hold up a gas station because they have money. They yeah. hold up a gas station because they don't have money. It's yeah. the lack of money. And so, right, right. It, of course, it's comedy to it. But Right, right. You know, you're talking about a Catholic boy here. You know, I was raised Catholic, grade school Catholic, so high school. I you are too? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. You're talking my language. I went to Catholic grade school, Catholic high school, Catholic college. <laughs> I went to a Presbyterian college. So yeah, yeah I feel stayed in the Christian tradition yeah, and yeah. absolutely. So I'm sure I speak your language. Yeah. We have these things in our heads that yeah. we hear this in the background or we don't. And it's just in right. there invisibly. And like right. a rich man can't get into heaven like any more than a camel can fit through the eye of a needle. Right. right. You know, there are more important things in life than money all that kind of stuff. And I say, yeah, you know what? There are, but boy, you sure can't focus on those important things if you don't have the money to worry about. I can tell you that that was my belief. And I can tell you that that's true in my life now that I've reached those goals. You can't, I could have never written a book like this if I had a full-time job. I just don't do it that way. I wrote full-time 50 hours a week for three years. Right. 
those pursuits aren't available to you if you're chasing a dollar. And I just, man, I, to me, I don't want to make it sound like if anybody's listening here that the W-2 job is the worst thing in the world. It's not. There's plenty of people out there that enjoy their work. That's right. fine. You know, I can tell you that I do believe that if your eyes are wide open and you can see the future, I don't know, Kevin, a lot of your wealth tactic rebels talk is about risk prevention. Sure. You will see that you can protect your family with more money. You can protect your loved ones and your life gets better. Even if you do like your job, if you compile money. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody will say, yeah, money, I don't have a problem with money. Well, let's talk about excess money, you know, because that's what you need. Right. Excess money. Right. Right. Enough that it continues to grow at a rate that exceeds your needs. I can tell you the wealthy gardener, he says that making just enough is not nearly enough. Right. And so uh, that's one of the quotes and it's not. Of course, because just even just outside of that, that it lasts, there's the fact that at times we all have times in our life where we need more. There's what we need normally, but something comes up. If you have a home, all of a sudden you get a leak in your roof. Well, there's $20,000 that you need, you know, things like that. It's really good to just read about these things and educate yourself. One of the most fundamental books that I always turned back to was The Richest Man in Babylon. Mm. And that was just a great, great parable type of book. And it was probably the influence of me trying to write a book. My initial idea to write a book Mm. based around a fictional parable Mm. in The Wealthy Gardener. The Richest Man in Babylon, it was all about building a fortress. Save a little money. Right. Do this and do that, but it was all about a fortress so that when the armies attack, you do have a wall set up around you right. and you're just a lot better off. And some of us think about that a lot more than others. And I can say that for me, mm. those tough 20s really made me think a lot. And there's been a lot of times I needed that fortress in my life. Mm. Mm. Having grown kids, you really do say, well, okay. And I want to say that too. My kids came out of college because of my sacrifices without student debts. Right. So those are the kind of things money provides. It provides opportunities. It provides peace of mind. It provides a worry-free state. And I'll say this, not everybody wants to be wealthy and rich. Right. That's fine. Choose your own goals. But everybody would like a life of not worrying about money. Everybody. I think that's certainly attainable for all of us if we apply our fullest potential in life. I agree. I agree. There's always ways as long as we apply ourselves in our potential. And I think that's one thing you're touching on there is that I'm going back to a little bit of that, who am I to people have kind of those limiting thoughts about what their abilities are and what they can achieve. You were saying earlier that really anyone, it doesn't matter. They don't have to be the most brilliant person in the world to be able to have some level of success. Well, Kevin, look at me. I say the same thing. If, if I'm 30 years old and I make this goal for financial freedom in 20 years, I can't tell you how preposterous, ludicrous that looks if I were to admit that to anybody, which I couldn't. That was just my own private goal in my soul, I would say. Right, right. Absolutely. You would say that that's arrogant. It's absurd. That's just ridiculous. That's not realistic. All those kind of words that we kind of uh, know are just stretch goals, and we sometimes steer people away from trying too hard. Right. No, 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 no. Sometimes we need goals so large that we can't do it on our own at our present condition. Right. So we can expand our lives. A little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, and a little bit at a time, and you grow into it. That's how it works, but not without a goal. Sure, sure. John, let's touch a little bit about your belief that wealth is impossible without an entrepreneurial spirit. <laughs> well, I can tell you from my own life, in terms of, I would talk about my experience with that as opposed to my belief with that, okay? Right, okay. So let's imagine, first of all, I think we have to define what is wealth. What That's always the big question. Okay. For me, wealth would be, that amount of money, which 
you can live off of in retirement and not have to work for money. That was my definition of it. What was retirement income? So for me and my family, where I live in this part of the country, $100,000 a year would do that. That's more than I need, which is what you want, because there's going to be real calamities in your life where you need more than what you think you need. Right, exactly. So $100,000 was my number. I'm broke. I'm working basically a an average income in America. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out how I can get to a retirement income. There's formulas out there for this. They're just generic. So let's say was 25 times your retirement income is the formula for the number. So again, if, just to take it back into my numbers, 100,000 times 25, that's the n- amount of money I would need saved to retire on $100,000. 100,000 times 25, that's 2.5 million. Mm-hmm. So Getting back to your question, why is that impossible? Okay, I'm a 30-year-old guy. I'm living in the middle class. I have two kids and a wife. My wife is staying home with the kids. Mm -hmm. Finances are tight, no question about it. We still have student debts at that time. Schedule's busy, six days a week, just like we're all busy. And the Mm -hmm. profits in my life were probably close to $500 to $1,000 a month on a good month. How's that going to add up to one 2.5 million. And I kept on staring at that equation. How is this going to work for me? If I Mm -hmm. set this goal, you start to see this discord between what you're hoping for or setting a goal for and what's really going to happen in your life. And what happens to you at that time? That's one of the big factors of life. How do you approach that when it seems impossible? So sometimes you sit down and you use your creative mind and you start to figure this out. I told my son that this is, and said this in the book, it's impossible. Mm -hmm. Wealth is absolutely 100% impossible if you live like the average people. And it's mm-hmm. all about time. It's all about your hours. Right. I call them impact hours. If you want to be average, you live average hours. If you want to have a lot of impact, you put impact in your hours. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I had to get myself working more. I had to sacrifice. And I had to eventually, once I would acquire that money, I had to move into ownership of stuff. There is no other path for me where I was from. I had to own things. Mm-hmm. It's all about bringing in money that doesn't require. It's not based on the hours of your life, uh, right, the hours right. that you're giving. Not, it's no dollars. not trading hours for money. It's trading value yeah. for money. It's not the hour for dollar. That's the only right. other passion is ownership. Now, people say, well, all the time, they say, well, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Well, if that's true, then preparation is a pile of cash when opportunity knocks because you have to have money to buy that laundromat. You have to have money to buy those stocks. And so we all know that. Right. Of course you do. But how many people actually go in the lane of ownership of things that bring assets that bring them to you? Right. That was the only way for me. And I can tell you that I see that that is a big challenge for a lot of people is they just don't get into ownership. Mm. And partly it's because they just don't think about it. You know, they're thinking about other things and that's fine. You can have a good life thinking of other things. But because of my 20s, I was struggling and I had to figure out how to achieve wealth. So, right. Right. For me, I went into rentals. I went into ownership. I was juggling a full-time business. I was juggling rentals. And eventually, I ran out of money because you will run out of money. And I went into flipping houses. But all those things are extrinsic, in my opinion. That's the how. It's all about knowing why you want what you want. And you always figure out the how. I do believe that. There's a million ways to get there. Your podcast is a way to get there. Other people have a million different ways to get there. Like That was just my blue-collar way of getting there. And that's the path for me while I had a full-time family and a full-time job in a small town. And that's, that right. was my path. So each person can find their own path, but 
there has to be that kind of this entrepreneurial spirit. So the, the idea of not doing the same thing everyone else is doing, doing something different, thinking for yourself and finding your own way. You know what, Kevin, I cannot preach enough. To me, my religion of life is the time. You know, mm. it's what we do. If you think about this, this always fascinates me that we all have the same 24-hour clock. We use it all the time. Right. But some people get more impact out of that 24 hours than others every day. Right. Now, why is that? Well, a lot of us will talk about balance. You know, it seems to be the religion of the day is we've got to have a balanced life. You know, this is a virtue to have a balanced life. Mm-hmm. Sacrifice used to be a virtue. Mm. What happened to sacrifice? And, you know, when you talk to your kids about why you're doing what you're doing, they understand your sacrifices. Yeah. All of a sudden you have teammates and they're witnessing how things work in life. That's how mm. it worked for me. Right. So, yeah, you can't expect average hours to add up to an extraordinary life. You really got to mm-hmm. go to jur- you got to go to work for 40 hours a week, but then you better look at those 70 free hours every week too and wonder what you're doing with those. It's really where the freedom is earned in those free hours. Right, right. Okay. Good. So, let's talk a little bit about right now is kind of a time where there's so much going on in the world, almost chaos in the world sometimes. Every day there's something changing because we're recording this towards the end of March here and we're still in the middle of, I don't want to get into everything that's going on, but we know what's going on in the world right now. But times of fear, you believe, can be extremely valuable to clarify future goals, correct? I've seen that work out in my own life. You know, we have options here. And let's say that all these extrinsic historical changes aren't occurring right now. Mm -hmm. I can tell you that in my own life, I didn't need this tsunami that we're in right now to understand that there is fear in my life. And I think listeners will also identify with the fact that life has its seasons, its ups and downs, jobs are lost and people die. And there's all kinds of things that happen all throughout life that don't require this big, big storm. So it kind of goes back to all of that as well. But certainly what I see all the time is like people will face some sort of a stimulus like we're after right now, like the stimulus being fear. And our instinctive reaction is to say, all right, well, what do I do? How do I react to this? Right? Right, right. Intrinsic in that question is that you have to react. Like you have to do something. Mm-hmm. But wait a minute. Like that's a presumptuous assumption right there. What about just not doing anything? I have found that, Kevin, to be my go-to. There's always option A, B, C, and D. Mm-hmm. But in times of fear, my option is D. And my option D is do nothing. Mm. Don't make any decision until you get your legs back under you. Right, you right. only operate from a position of power. You don't act when your knees are shaking. You sit when your knees are shaking. That is so important. You, the emotional mind loses money. Your rational mind, you've got to come back to that. You've mm. got to mm. wait till you're strong. You don't make decisions to get you in trouble out of fear and emotions. You just don't do it. Mm. How do you mm. don't do it? How do you not do that? You exercise. There are things people can do. You exercise. You can meditate. Right. You can sit in a room. You can juggle. I don't care what you do, but just don't pull the trigger on any big decisions when you're under fear. And sometimes we go through those times and certainly it wakes us up to pay attention to the longer goal. I lost all of my money in the 2000 stock market crash. Right. And I was broke to begin with. It sounds, un- I'm in debt and I lost all my money. That's hard to do, okay? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it, it's not easy to be broke and lose all your money, but that's what happened. And when I did that, it's like, oh man, I went through despair. It was my first crisis. I went mm. through hopelessness. I felt all of that. I was despondent. You know, my hope was gone. I was going to be like my grandfather, right? Yeah. I had no money. I was trapped yeah. until you get your feet. You get your feet back under you. You acquiesce to an unwanted situation. 
Mm. You wait till you get your power back and then you operate again from a position of power. And what I did is I took that and I went into real estate slowly. I don't say real estate is fun. I say that it's secure. It's work. You know, if you do it right, it's a lot of work and there's a million different ways to do real estate. Right, right. But I did pivot in that direction because of the tragedy of that time. Mm. And so it really clarifies things to you. You know, what's more important, this or that? And I think we talked beforehand, you were kind of fed up with the hourly right. job. Right. It's the same thing we're talking about, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. I went through that period, like we were talking about earlier, when I was younger. I got out of college. I studied exercise science in college. And then I had my son shortly after. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then it's like, oh gosh, I have to take care of this child. I have to provide for him. I can't just go do whatever I want. Mm. I had planned on just making sacrifices and trying to work my way into fitness field. But here's my son. This is where he is. I can't go move halfway across the country. I have to take care of him here and now. I have to put food on his plate right now. Mm-hmm. So I got a job and I'll tell you, I hated it. It was actually hard with a job to put food on his plate consistently because I had a limited paycheck. And like you say, sometimes you got to spend a little bit more money. So whenever I had to spend a little bit more money, I didn't have any. And I was just working and working at someone else's discretion. I had to do everything they said when they said, you know what I mean? It was just, Mm -hmm. I didn't like it. I didn't see it as going anywhere. It was very, very limited. And I decided to start looking somewhere else in my life. At the time, my father, you said you grew up in a middle-class family. My family was pretty middle-class too. My father did fairly well, but it was still middle-class. He worked for MetLife, Metropolitan Life Insurance, for like 40, at the time, 40-something years. And I saw the life that he was able to have, which was much more free. He wasn't stressed out like I was. He was able to go on nice vacations with his family. He was able to take some time when he needed to. He used to bring me to school every morning. I remember that, him bringing me to school, him picking me up from school, and then me thinking, I can't do that with my son because I have an hourly time that's set by someone else. I have to be there when they say. I didn't have that ability to connect with my son that way. So you have a purpose for money that has something to do with the family and something to do with the kids and something to do with more than money. And all of a sudden, it's not so bad to want money, right? Correct. Correct. That's when I started that kind of path. And it's been a long path. And there's a lot of different philosophies I've come across over the years. Some of them are very similar to what you're saying, but that's what started me thinking that way. And I remember I talked to my father about it and just saying, I just don't like this. I got to have other opportunities. And he was like, you know, I might have a good job for you. <laughs> that was basically the start of where I am today. <laughs> and your, your brother's in this as well, right? Yep. yep. The same thing. My brother wasn't happy with what he was doing at the time. It, it was kind of coinciding what I was doing at the time, it, you know, we were doing two completely different things. We, he was living in one city. I was living in another. I think he was in Boston at the time. And then my father talked us both into it and we decided it was a good path for us. It wasn't limiting. We got to choose what we did. Let me say this to anybody listening to your story right there, because I think this is just such an important topic right here, because you and I have the same story. We were both really frustrated. We both aren't real happy with where we are. We're both beaten down by money. And I can guarantee you there are people that don't, they want to say, yeah, I'd like to change my life. But you know, it's just not that easy. And I'll tell you why it's not easy. I have two kids. I have a house. I have a wife. I have this and that. I have bills to pay. And it's just not that easy. Man, that's the human condition at certain stages of our life. And so I just want to point this out that you made some turns and you had some opportunities with your father. That was, I mean, fantastic. What a nice pivot you can go through. and, And you took it. You didn't just stay where you are. Right. But what about the person who's stuck right now and doesn't have that opportunity? Those people are everywhere. And that was right. me. I, I feel for them. Right. 
in my book, man, I really preach about a five-year crusade. Again, it's, it's about time. You can change everything in your life within five years, right. within five years, if you put your pedal down. And so for the people out there that are feeling stuck, if that's where you are, man, I can tell you there's just a number of stories in my own life where I've seen people like that. My cousin comes out of college with me. Uh, she moves into a firm in a little local office with six people. She comes out with a business degree. She's happy. You know, we're all happy when we get out of school because we're able to pay the bills and look at us, we're adults. And it takes a few years to realize that paying the bills is just like seeing on a treadmill. And all of a sudden we're, wait a minute, it's kind of like, I don't have a choice in life. This is a land of the free and it doesn't feel too free to me. And we start to feel like that. And she was not feeling fulfilled. Right. There's a ceiling to her. And you said the same thing. There's a lack of direction. And when your life has a lack of direction, you just get frustrated and hopeless. Yeah. So now what is she to do? She's stuck there for two to three years now. Those are the transitions that make all the difference in life. Mm. She decided, okay, I'm going to go back to school. So now she has a 40-hour job mm -hmm. and she's going for an MBA in the evenings. Mm. So when she's not working, she's going to classes. Right. She's not going to classes. She's studying for classes. Well, it didn't take her too long to start running out of money. So mm. on the weekends, she became a part-time waitress. Mm. So now she's going to school. She's going to work. She's studying for school and she's waitressing. And she did this for years. But after this five years were up, she moved into Pittsburgh. She got a really good job with her MBA. Mm. A few years later, she was in a position where she became a regional manager mm -hmm. and she started traveling the world, which is exactly where she wanted to be all her life. Yep. What did she do? Like, so people will say, well, that's a lot of sacrifice. I would submit, I will say that it was more sacrifice to not sacrifice. Do you know that she, all that she would have missed mm. in her life had she not chosen sacrifices mm. for five years? It's about cost. your time. What are you doing in those free hours? Mm. That can free you. I mm. go over that over and over and over. It's, you know, yeah. you got to change what you do or keep what you've got. Right, right. You know what? I talk about opportunity costs on money a lot. You know, if you lose a dollar, that you didn't have to lose. You not only lose that doll, but everything it could have earned for you. You're talking about opportunity cost of life. It's the same thing. Only I think life personally, as much as I talk about wealth all the time, life is the true wealth. I think that's kind of your whole point here is that when you have a lack of wealth, you have a lack of life. You know what? I fully believe, Kevin, that we all have this potential in us and it's, mm -hmm. it's dying to get out. It's dying to be expressed. And the happiest mm -hmm. people I know they're fulfilling that potential. Mm -hmm. And all I can tell you, as I gained money throughout my 40s, my potential mm -hmm. increased. And I was able to walk up to apartment complexes now. I was, mm -hmm. I was making big deals, right? I was then able to leave a job and pursue writing a book. Mm -hmm. What are we talking about here? I'm just, all I'm trying to do is reclaim my time. Like right. In the land of the free, I right. want to be free. Right. People have right. died for freedom and we won't sacrifice our free hours for five years for freedom. This is it. You're either free or you're not. And I would say that if you have a good job, I'm not knocking the job. I see a lot of people right. say, oh, everybody with a job just sucks. Sure. You guys are idiots. No, 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 no. Right, right. I envy you for doing what you love to do and well, that's is. your story. But if it's not, yeah, sacrifice is the way out. And five right. years will change everything. And just go back five years from now, go back and you'll see your life. Just examine it. It's nothing like what it was right now. We get a that's new true. life every five years. True. So true. what's going forward? It's really true. important. True, true. Let me ask you, has anyone ever said, hey, what about those people like the monks? They give up everything. They have no money, yet they're very happy. What well, do you have to say about that? I have a lot to say about that. <laughs> so yeah, those honorable monks that go and they, they cloister themselves and they, they hide away for five hours praying every day. I know some. They're, but they're friends of mine. Okay. Right. What we fail to understand, though, is 
a lot of the time with that mindset of that person, their DNA is such that they find fulfillment in that. Right. It's not always sacrifice to them when you're doing what you want to be doing. There you go. It would be more sacrifice to pull them out and stick them in my real estate business or right. make them go on a, a preaching circuit. So yeah, right. it's, we all choose our purpose. And I think, mm. again, getting back to your potential in life, mm. I think we have ambitions. We're all trying to fulfill that expression. Of, I think they're pursuing what makes them fulfilled. Right. I don't right. think it's as selfless as everybody will say. Right. You know, right. I've seen some monks quit. You know, it's interesting you say that. Sometimes the things that are, like you're saying, selfishness, selflessness sometimes is very, very selfish because mm-hmm. it makes you feel good. It makes you fulfilled to do something good for someone else. So that's why you're doing it. <laughs> you know, not that it's a bad thing, but anyway. <laughs> oh, Absolutely. You're gratified by it. Yeah. Know what I love most? You, we spoke before this podcast and you said that a lot of your listeners will be entrepreneurs. You know what I love, absolutely love about entrepreneurship, and I've been an entrepreneur all my life, mm-hmm. is that the most selfish thing you can possibly do is to serve others. Yeah. What a system, man. Right. Because right. I can't get around it. I mean, do I think of self, uh, self first? Well, I'll tell you what, when I don't have any money on the table, I think of myself quite a bit. And the only right. way to win, only way to win is to serve massively. What right. a great setup that is. Add value to the world such that they'll actually pay you for it and give you that applause in the form of money. What a great capitalistic society entrepreneurship is. Right. That's fantastic. Right. right. Or it could be once you have the money, when you're going out and doing something like philanthropy, you know. I mean, yeah. yeah, you're giving away money, but what are you getting back? You're getting that fulfillment and that joy back. So the more you're giving, the more you're getting back. Sure, sure. I mean, I have not found my philanthropy just yet because my family is my philanthropy. My sure. my daughter went back to college. These are the kind of things that come at you as a father, you know? Right. Like I had the same path you did where you, know, you always read about these fantastic 20s where these kids mm-hmm. come out, mm-hmm. Silicon Valley, they have startups, they take off this way, they juke this way, they're living in Hawaii now. Wait, what about the person who just grew some really deep roots, got married, has two kids? You don't jig jag as much right there, right? So now you have to work it out a little differently. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Money matters a lot. We all have a financial condition, and our life is all better when we don't have to worry about it. Right. I wrote a book, I try to stick to the key concept of money. And I've had people say, well, this book's all about money. And I said, yeah, it's not easy to. stick to because you know if people want to wander off of their topics and have a million people like a million different no 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 i think this is a big enough problem that we should stay right here and solve this one and then you mm. can worry about everything else right right yeah gives you the ability yeah gives you the power all right before we close today i'm going to ask you for our wealthetic rebel value bomb so john in your experience for our listeners what should they look out to avoid in their path to prosperity and what can they do about it? Kevin, what are we talking about when we talk about our lifetimes? Our lifetime is made up of time. Mm. So to me, it's just essential that I give my time to things that matter. I give my time to things with purpose. Mm. I give impact to my hours. What do I want to avoid? By contrast, I want to avoid the average hour. It's not like we sit around doing nothing. I won't talk about hollow hours. I'll talk about average hours. Hours when we're busy, hours when we're doing stuff, but Mm. stuff isn't getting done. Nothing's important is getting done. Things that don't matter to us. Mm. Uh, I'm a huge believer in clarity and action. 
and filling up a schedule with that which you believe in. So what should they avoid? The average hour, not the unoccupied hour, because we don't. nobody has that. Only when we're sleeping. It's the average stuff. That's mm. what lands you into an average life. That's what takes away your fulfillment and leads to regrets. It's average hours in the day. Yep. Excellent advice. John, anything else you'd like to share about yourself? Maybe tell our listeners a little bit about your book and what they might be able to get out of that. Yeah, I'll tell you what I'll share is I want everybody out there on Wealth Tactic Rebels to know who Kevin Dumont is because I came in here a couple of days ago and I showed up late for, a, for one of our pre-talks. I can't tell you how kind he was to me. So who you hear on this show, I'm not as kind to people that don't show up on time. You're getting exactly who you think you are with Kevin. Just so impressive. So let me just say that. First of all, he treated me with such respect that I did not deserve. I, I missed the appointment altogether. So let me just say that. I would say you. uh, regarding your question about the book, Kevin, to me, it's just my fundamental belief that there's somebody out there listening right now who is like me. Mm. And the person like me is the person that has ambition yep. and they're kind of trapped. And that ambition can either free them or it can kill them. Uh, so I'm here for that. That's why I'm showing up today. Mm that person can uh, get direction through my book. I promise you that the philosophy, the principles in my book are timeless. They don't get in and out of styles. That was what I had to narrow it down for. Mm -hmm. You will have the guidance, the fundamental philosophy to figure it out on your own. That's what I put it all together for. And I, I can tell you one thing that I would consider the, the Wealthy Gardener audiobook. It's There's just something special about that thing. It made number 45 in the world last year. Right. And Kevin will have show notes here. He'll point you to this kind of stuff. I would say that Absolutely. just check out the notes and follow them to wherever you want to follow them to. But my site is out there, wealthygardener.com. But that's all yeah. I have. Excellent. All right, John. Thank you. I really appreciate, by the way, the praise. I'm not sure uh, you know, about getting that level of praise, but I, I definitely appreciate it. Oh, you um, deserve it. Thank you. And I really appreciate sharing your knowledge and your experiences with our listeners today. And I think they'll find some great value in that. And Wealth Tactic Rebels listening, we're going to do exactly like John said. We're going to put this information, we're going to put the link to his book and John on the Wealth Tactic Rebels show notes page. And that you should go to wealthtacticrebels.com and look for today's episode, The Wealthy Gardener. And I'm also going to put a link to John's giving us a link to his website of wealthygardener.com. What is that? Uh, forward slash wealth dash tactic dash rebels dash yeah, podcast. For the, just for, this, for the things we talked about on this page, Kevin, we on this podcast. Yeah. What I find is these are educational opportunities for Absolutely. people. So if you go over there, whatever your show notes would be, I will highlight parts of my website that would be educational about that. So people can take a deeper dive. And I also want to put you on the spot here too, because I was going to offer... Well, I usually will offer two free signed books to any listener that makes a comment on your page. Sounds so good. that's going to mean you're going to have to figure out their address and get back to me. And so sure. if you hear that, everybody, it's all on Kevin, not me right now. So he'll let me know and I will send you a book. And I hope there's a person out there like me that needs it. Fantastic. Thank you. I appreciate that. So if you go to wealthtacticrebels.com, there is a place you can leave a comment. You know, you put your email address right in there so we can get a hold of you. You can do it on the page itself, or you can go to the show notes page for the episode, and it's there as well. And you can always send us an email, kevin at wealthtacticrebels.com. Happy to chat with any of you anytime. And you know what? It'd be interesting, I think, about the comment. John, I think it would be great to hear from them about what you said today that resonated with them. We'll make that a contingency. So you can't just say show up. You have to actually say what Kevin said, and then you qualify for the book. There you go. Got it? Got it. Awesome, All right. Kevin. Sounds good. 
John, again, thank you so much. Appreciate it. I love you, man. There's certain people that I meet that I like instantly, Kevin, and you're one of them. So great. Thank, thank you. you. I really enjoyed my time with you, John. We're going to keep in touch. Wealth Tactic Rebels, thank you for joining us today. Hope you really enjoyed our discussion, and I hope everyone stays healthy and has a fantastic day. Want to really see things differently? Take our course in Genius Tactics 201, where we teach you all the wealth accumulating tactics with detailed real-life examples, see your progress with quizzes and a certificate of completion. For course details, visit WealthTacticRebels.com. Sign up today and start seeing things differently. This presentation is intended as informational only. Information presented does not consider your particular financial objectives, risk tolerance, time horizon, or other unique circumstances, and does not constitute a personalized recommendation or replace the advice of a financial, tax, or legal advisor or other qualified professionals. Do your own research and do not use the information of this presentation in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional. To the best of our ability, we provide content that is accurate as of the date of release. However, we give no assurance or guarantee regarding its accuracy, timeliness, completeness, or applicability. We assume no liability for the information of this and related presentations.